Welcome to the Wealthier Together pop-up podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to help women cultivate wellness in all areas of their lives. The first series in this podcast is going to focus on financial health and financial wellness. We all know that our financial health and wellness affects our physical, emotional, and mental health or wellness. And so the first person I'm going to interview is Kina Newell. She is the founder of Wealth Over Now. If you listen to the end of the podcast, you can hear the partner code that you can use to get 25% off a session with Kina. So today I'm talking to Kina Newell, and she is the founder of Wealth Over Now. She empowers young, single, professional women to gain clarity and confidence with their money. Hi, Kina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. So can you tell us a little bit about why you got into financial coaching? So I graduated from college um, with $75,000 worth of student loan debt, which really was overwhelming and stressful. Um, I had chosen to actually join Teach for America after college, which meant that being a teacher, I was only making about $33,000 a year. And um, I was distraught because of the fact that like I had done everything that like society told me to do, go to college, get a good job. Um, but I was, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to meet the demands that I needed to meet, which was like paying off my student loans, saving for retirement, just having money to save for a rainy day. And, um, it was at that point where like I started to have money dates with myself. And so through those money dates, I was setting aside time on a weekly basis to identify my goals. What did I want to work towards? Um, how much money was I actually bringing in? How much money um, could I allocate towards the different things that were like important to me and aligned with my financial values and goals? And I eventually ended up taking, I stayed in education for a while um, and ended up taking a job in another city so that way I could make more money, but still continuing with the financial date so that that way I could um, become less overwhelmed and have a clear picture and, and like be confident about where my money was going and how it was working for me. That the concept of money date sounds very interesting and different, but I definitely can relate with you and I'm sure thousands of other people on the whole fun student loan debt issue and doing what you're supposed to do and then getting out and looking around and saying someone lied to me, but um, <laughs> can definitely relate lied. there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, we were talking a while back and we were talking about how to normalize the conversation about money and how it's very, very taboo. So can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, um, I feel like, I mean, my running joke is that like people would rather talk about like how many people they slept with in one month than like how much money was in their bank account in one month. Um, because there's just like this stigma around talking about money. Like nobody wants to say like, how much money do you make? Or, you know, I actually like really have a hard time and, um, you know, I'm in overdraft or I'm in $20,000 worth of debt. And um, like the recent furlough, highlighted that, you know, 70% of us are living like paycheck to paycheck. And if we miss, if, if like, I, I also like to say like, you're like one paycheck away from being homeless. Right. Um, and so like, we're all, we all have this like commonality and this common struggle, but nobody wants to talk about it. And, um, through my work as a financial coach, I really want to, like I said, normalize the money conversation 
because I think there's a lot that we can gain in learning from one another, like using the community that's right there in front of you, like whether that's, you know, your friends or your family's coworkers, but being able to ask someone like, hey, you know, how did you get your credit score up? Or, you know, how did you kind of break the cycle from paycheck to paycheck? Or how did you pay cash for your first car? But really just like using your community to um, boost your own success. And I feel like we can normalize the money conversation. We're also going to get to this idea where like hopefully you're you're leaving behind um, a a better roadmap for those that are coming after you. So kind of getting into this idea of generational wealth. And it's not all gonna come from like a conversation, but um, yeah, like it's just really, really important to me that we, like I said, normalize that conversation and and just like have conversations that are more than just surface level um, and get into something a little bit deeper. I definitely agree. And especially with finances, a lot of people feel shame. And it's like people can talk about their well, people are getting to the place where they can talk more about their feelings. But finances are something that brings a lot of shame. And a lot of the things that we learn about finances, we learn when we're really young. So, you know, unless you talk about it, you can't identify what, I guess, false money stories or false stories you have towards money. You can't identify that. And then the fact that it's just People feel shame, you know, so that getting involved in that community and sharing and learning from each other and, you know, reframing those money stories we have from childhood is going to be difficult unless people can get over that shame. Because I know that is a big, very big thing um, with millennials and anyone, actually. So Right, for sure. Yeah. So what are some of the budgeting pitfalls, just two or three budgeting pitfalls that you see that people are making or people are falling into when they're trying to, you know, get their finances in order? I would say the number one is like just totally not being aware. There's a lack of awareness. And so um, I think for a lot of the clients that I work with, it's like this, like, well, if I sit down and I look at like how much debt I'm in or, you know, what I'm really doing with my money, they're, they're fearful. And like you were just saying, there's the shame piece. And um, so I would say like, that's one of the biggest pitfalls is like just creating the space to be intentional. So where you, so you can gain awareness. And then um, people also like thinking about like money um, mindsets, a lot of us and, and myself included, I'm, I'm there and have to talk myself out of it is like being in a position where you're in this, like I deserve um, mindset. And so it's like, well, I deserve to get the new pair of shoes or, you know, I deserve the the Mercedes because I work really hard. And it's not that you um, can't have those things, but it's like having a plan to acquire those things. And so sometimes um, we are the biggest hurdle in accomplishing uh, or moving forward in our financial wellness because of the fact that we do have these underlying mindsets and behaviors that keep us from um, actually being more successful with our money. That is really, that is very true. Um, I had, when I graduated from grad school, a couple of my colleagues bought new cars and I was just thinking to myself, no, no, don't resist, resist. Because no one, you know, it looks fancy and beautiful, but cars depreciate, their value depreciates quickly as you drive it off the lot. and. I'd rather be okay financially and not have that stress than to spend money I don't have on something that I want, like something that's high ticket. And it, right. you're right. It is important to 
not deprive yourself of it, but to delay that gratification and say, hey, I'm going to save up for this. So when I get it, I'm not paying for it for the next 10, 20, 30 years or however, you know, many years that'll be. Yeah. And I mean, we live in this like consumerism society, right? And like everything you see, you're supposed to have, like now things are just so instantaneous here. Here's a credit card. And I mean, I know that they send me credit card offers in the mail where they're like, you know, you can get $10,000. I'm like, I don't need $10,000 because you're going to want it back. I mean, if you want to give me $10,000, just write a check. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's really, really hard with with that delayed gratification piece because it's just, it's also like you've had to, you have to be comfortable with like being able to say like, I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. And so it's one of the reasons like on social media, I try not to be on there too often because all of a sudden you want to acquire things that other people have. And like, I have to remind myself, like, Tina, that's not for you. Like you need to keep on moving. And so like, I do have to unplug from that kind of stuff because it feeds into that consumerism, um, like mentality that like, Ooh, if I just had, if I just had this car, if I had this outfit that, that you would be in a different place so that you would feel better. And so it, it takes a lot of like self-reflection and just like work on yourself in order to, to overcome that. That's very true. Social media is really tricky um, because it's everyone's highlight reel and you don't know if they rented that car. Like mm-hmm. I've never had that impulse to buy in that regards, but you don't, you, social media is not realistic I, to me. And so mm-hmm. when I see like outfits and all of these things, I'm like, I'm okay. Like it's for me, it's not a trigger. So I'm like, that's all right. But um, I definitely it may understand not even that be an chat. Outfit, but like, I mean, it's little things, right? Like True. even, even knowing a cell, like for me, I love candles and Bath and Body Works <laughs> is, is in my inbox way too much. Right. But like, I don't, I don't need 20, 30 candles. <laughs> so, True. Like it doesn't, it doesn't actually have to be something that's, that's incredibly expensive. It can be anything from you know, a sale on apples at Whole Foods, you know, to a, to a new car. But like, it's still just like being mindful of like identifying needs versus wants and being able to have that dialogue with yourself and knowing um, that it's okay to have that dialogue with yourself to say like, you know, I'm actually going to say no to this and I'm going to wait. And it, like, I am going to be okay with, with accepting delayed gratification, even though like, you know, that's not what my friends are doing, or I don't feel like that's what the rest of society is doing. So it's, it's being okay with being different, um, instead of being a part of the norm. That's very true. So what are some ways that people can set clear financial boundaries? Um, so what I would say, like, is, for me, it's really important first to identify, like, your why. What is your why? And what is your purpose? Um, and so, like, with, with clients, I talk oftentimes with them about, you know, where do you want to be a year from now? Um, write a letter to yourself about what you will care about when you're 80. And so through that experience, like really thinking about like, you know, why do you care about stepping into a new um, financial state? Like what, what is it that in, intrigues you or what do you think that you will achieve from that? And um, then I think from there, when we think about like the importance of boundaries, it allows you to know like what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. And so being able to have those boundaries allows you to achieve your goals um, 
whether that's like, you know, I want to save a thousand dollars this year, or it's, I want to get out of debt this year, or it's, you know, I don't, I want to discontinue my overspending. You're going to be able, you're by setting your purpose, you're going to be able to align yourself um, every single time, like something gets in your way and distracts you from um, what's important to you. And, and even like one of the things that I would like to acknowledge is like, I understand, especially for um, different communities, sometimes there's also a pool from family members um, in terms of like, they need financial help. And uh, I set aside money as well to help my family, but it is, it is on my terms. Like I know what I'm able to do if, if there is a family member that's in trouble and I do, or, you know, a family member that needs something, it may not be them actually coming to me. Um, it may be like me actually extending a hand to give to them, but like, it's still like, I have boundaries for that in my budget and it's, it's on my terms and it's, it's what I can afford. So I do include those types of things as well when I'm thinking about um, how to how to um, set up my financial budget. I think that's very important, identifying your why and then from there setting your boundaries. Because a lot of people feel that if I set a boundary, like in general, but especially in regards to finances, that, you know, it's... It, they're, that they're being mean. But at the end of the day, it's boundaries always keep you help you make sure that you are taking care of yourself instead of, you know, I guess just giving all of your money away because then you're going to be in a bad situation financially. And then again, mm -hmm. of course, you're talking about look at your why. If people keep referring to their why, it will give them, it, it'll actually set up natural boundaries. Like mm -hmm. you want to get out of debt. You're not going to be giving all of your money to, you know, a family member that's in need, you'll be able to actually budget, like you were saying, budget a specific amount and then be able to give from there and know that you're okay financially and that you're not going to be going through some financial disaster, which is not good for anyone. <laughs> so that is very good. And those are very good points. So how, what do you recommend for someone who is in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, and they're like, I can't budget? What would you tell someone in that situation? I would say that you can. <laughs> um, so my, my main thing is like, regardless of how much money you make, um, it's about creating the habit. And so you are working 40 hours a week and you're making, like I was, $33,000 a year or you're making, you know, $150,000 a year. It's about creating the habit of um, knowing that you have a certain amount of money coming in and then knowing how your money is going out. And so you may not be like, I mean, there's been times in my life where I'm like, I can save $25 a month. You're right. That's not a ton, but it was about me building the habit to save. And so when I got more money, um, whether that be like you got a bonus or, you know, a tax refund, any of these other um, additional kind of like streams of income that we, we think about, or you kind of had a, you have a side hustle you are able to identify like where you want that money to go. So like for that person that's in debt, I would um, encourage them one, sit down and, and see like how much money do you actually have coming in and how much money do you have going out? Identify what your necessities are um, of the money that is going out. So like, you know, rent is a necessity. Um, paying your utilities is a necessity, but you know, getting a new iPhone every single year, that's not a necessity. And so like, you know, that's six, $700 that you could be putting towards your debt or you could be using to build 
um, a buffer in your account so you can start to build um, an emergency an emergency fund. Thinking about like, are you going out to eat? Um, are you are you meal prepping? But there's a lot of like, there's a lot of holes in the way that we like spend money and like you you have to figure out like what can you patch? What money is going out that doesn't need to be going out every single month? And then I also understand that within that there are some people where like I really am living just paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I don't have a whole bunch of extra money that's going out. And then I would recommend, like, get a side hustle. Um, what is it that you do well that you can monetize? Um, for a while, I was in education. One of the things was that, like, I was a t- like I would tutor on the side. And so when I would tutor, I would take the money and, you know, pay off debt or put it in my savings. Um, there's plenty of things that you can do. You could be a virtual assistant, um, like, trying to think of other things like that I know that I you know I have friends that like do Arbonne or like there's other things that you can do walk dogs (laughs) in order to bring in additional income and then also like right now while we're recording this like we're in tax season so when you're thinking about your tax refund um I like to tell clients like take 50 percent of it and put it in savings 30 percent pay off debt and like take 20 percent and have fun like it's when I am thinking about creating, and I hate to say the word budget, I, I say a spending plan or a financial plan with clients, but when I'm thinking about um, financial planning in the sense of budgeting, I'm not saying that you can't ever have fun with your money, but it's about knowing that you're in control of how your money is being spent. And so I do think, I mean, like I like rewards <laughs> like anybody else, but it is um, always having a plan for money that's coming in and not looking up at the end of the month, realizing that you spent a thousand dollars that could have helped you in in another way get ahead. So that's what I would say for people that are they feel like they're in that paycheck to paycheck cycle. That's definitely very true. And like you were saying, making sure that they write down their necessities, what's coming in, that helps people see where they're overspending. Because a lot of people would be like, "Well, I just went out to lunch four times." And they don't realize that that adds up. Like eating out adds up. Happy hours, mm-hmm. it adds up. And so mm-hmm. I think I saw someone's meme and it showed that if you go out, I don't know if it's like five or six days a week, it could be like several thousand dollars at the end of the year. And I was just like, mm-hmm. wow. So just helping people or people listing their expenses, looking at their bank statements and seeing, hey, this is where I spent, you know, this is how much I'm spending monthly can also help them identify where they have those holes that need patching. And also Mm -hmm. where you're talking about making sure that people have fun. People don't realize that if you're just, if you have no fun at all, you're going to hate it and you're going to relapse into your habits from before. And especially like you're saying to get to set aside whatever you can, people think that they'll build the habit when they make more money and that is far from the truth. It's like eating healthy. You you have to start little by little. You have to when you start in one area, you see the results and then it affects other areas. So that's definitely that is definitely wonderful advice because some people jump in and they're like I'm going to fix it in one day and then they quit because you can't fix it in one day. You have to establish those habits like you were saying. Mhm. So and um when you were t- sorry, when you were talking about having fun too, I would add to this like Having fun doesn't always need to look like you're out spending money. Um, you can redefine what fun looks like. And, you know, especially like as the weather warms up, 
like identifying what are some ways, like a lot of us like to spend time with our friends. Um, it doesn't always have to be a happy hour, right? Like if you live in a place where you can hike, you can go on a hike together. Um, invite people over to your house and like have a, you know, a potluck. Like everybody's going to bring something and then you're contributing. You still get the satisfaction of like being with your friends, having that community, but everybody didn't just drop $60 on a tab at the bar or at a restaurant, but you, but you still got the quality time. And it can be just as fun as long as your friends know how to cook or bring up <laughs> a really good takeout. But um, like, like I said, just redefining like how you, how you spend your time can also allow you to have fun in different ways. Like take advantage. Um, I live here in DC and like, there's a lot of great activities that are going on um, you know, every single weekend. And a lot of them, a lot of them are free. If you are paying attention, you can, I mean, you could have a week where you didn't spend any money. So just thinking outside of the box and not thinking that, you know, every time that you go out with friends, it needs to be based around like food and eating, um, which also to, to your point on like healthy eating on that side, like it's probably not good for you to be out <laughs> anyways at a restaurant or at happy hour, but like what other things can you partake in, um, that still, fill your bucket. That's true. And if people make it a community thing, if they get rid of that shame about talking about money, then there's hundreds of things they can do for free. Like I live in, mm-hmm. live outside of Austin and there's always something free. There's no excuse. Mm-hmm. Even in the surrounding cities, there is always, there are always free events. And so like you're saying, thinking outside the box, you really don't have to spend money to spend time with people that you love. Cause I, I do that mm-hmm. all the time and I don't spend money, right? At the end of the day, the things that are the most important to us are not what we're spending money on. It's experiences, you know, spending that quality time with, you know, your family, your friends. And you're right. I think helping people or people reframing the way they think about fun, marketers want you to think fun is spending your whole paycheck. But in reality, you don't have to spend your whole paycheck to to have fun. You really don't. Like the simplest things are free for the most part. Um, So that is definitely true. So what are, do you have a couple or one or two budgeting hacks? Um, I don't really like hacks, but people ask, (laughs) what are, do you have one or two budgeting hacks or ways that someone other than, you know, building the habits of saving money, putting money to the side that people can do quickly? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I would say, like, if you are someone who um, you don't know, you kind of want a, a low maintenance budget, if you will, you can have your paycheck go into one main account. So after you've actually sat down and identified um, where your money is need to, needing to go, you can um, use like a four account system. So like have your paycheck go into one main account and then set an auto um, draft that like after you get paid, you have an immediate amount that goes into savings that you've already predetermined. Then you can have another bank account that's used just for your bills. So your rent, your utilities, your cell phone bill, all of that stuff goes into another account. And then um, you can use a third account that's like just your fun or me money, that money that you're going to use um, for groceries, going out. But it allows you to not have to necessarily sit down every single week I would say and like itemize everything but you know that like if in your me account you only have two hundred dollars to your next paycheck like that's all you can spend it does take some self-constraint so you like can't be going to your savings and you can't be dipping into your bill money 
but then that way you kind of have like this automatic system um, that keeps your money separate for you. I would say like I, I like a, a high level of planning, <laughs> but like just thinking about like, you know, with your me money, what are you using that money on? It, it would still be important for me to identify like, like how am I using that money? Um, I also always think like cash is a really, really good uh, option. So like if I'm going, you know, out to eat and I've said, you know, for the month of February, I'm only going to have $200 to use for the month of February. Like if I take that out in cash, like I'm going to be really mindful of what I'm spending my money on. Or even at like making a list before you go to the grocery store may, means that like for me, chocolate bars aren't going to get in my account or not in my, not in my account, in my cart. Like I am going to like just, you know, get the things that I meal prep or in choosing to meal prep for instead of adding in all of these things that like are on the end of the aisles that look like they need to go home with me. So (laughs) I would say like, you can use, like I said, like that four account, like bucket system. Um, You can save more money by, by uh, choosing to meal prep and like writing a list Um, using cash in lieu of like using your debit card. If you really, really want to be mindful of where your money is going. Um, I also know some of my clients like to use capital one. It allows you to, um, visually see what you're saving saving towards so if you're a visual person and you want to see like i'm saving a thousand dollars um you know to buy a new car and you kind of want to see that increase capital one bank is a great option and i would say lastly please 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 um have your money in a high interest um savings account people do not use that enough and like you are putting your money in the bank that bank is using that money and loaning it to other people and charging them interest However, if you're not paying attention, you're not getting anything but like two to three cents at the end of every month. So um, look at like your local credit unions. Um, in addition to looking at uh, online high interest savings accounts, like right now, at the time of this conversation, like rates are about 2%, but like I do not believe having my money in accounts that are not interest bearing. And so everything from my checking account to my savings account has at least a 2% interest rate. Yeah, that's very important, especially what you're saying about going into the grocery store with a list. The grocery stores love people that haven't planned because you end up taking out double. You end up spending double what you went in to spend. And especially Target. For some reason, people are addicted to Target. (laughs) And when they come out of there, they're like, I went in for like something that was $10 and I've spent $500. And I'm like, Okay, that's not good. So definitely write write a list. It helps it easy helps it make helps make it easier for you to actually plan your meals. And yeah, you go in, you have a plan. So you go in and you don't, you know, buy things like you were saying that you don't need, like the candy and all the fun little things they have on the end caps. And no. also <laughs> That's my that's my that's my greatest weakness. I'm like, look at all these things, especially at Target, yeah. Um. <laughs> when I go to Target, I don't I just take cash. I'm like, I need this, this, and this. I'll take forty dollars. I'm like, okay, so the forty dollars is gone, no more. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I stay out of Target <laughs> for that same reason. And and what you were talking about, the high yield uh savings and checking that is also very important because it's very true if you let your some people they're like okay i'm saving my money in just the regular accounts and i just recently became aware of the high yield savings accounts so i'm just like don't leave it in there put it somewhere where you can at least get something back something Mm -hmm. right um 
especially since they're making money off of it as they're loaning it to other people. So that is, those are some really good hacks. So I have one last question, and that question is, how far should someone budget? So, far, so how far ahead should someone budget when they're starting out? Um, so for me, like, I think it depends on just, you know, who you are. Like, I like to think about the year as a whole um, in terms of, like, things that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christmas is not an emergency expense, Mm-mm. and it is something that you can plan for in January. So I have a, a 2019 budget prep that I did with with people and right, like it's just kind of going through different things that are happening through the month. You got a wedding here, you got, you know, birthdays coming up. Oh, I forgot, you know, I told my friend I was gonna go on a trip with them. So really just kind of thinking about your year as a whole. Um, I know for like my friends that have just entered into like parenthood, it's like, oh, we need to get the teachers a gift, like, you know, and that happens in May. So really just kind of thinking about a lot of people get frustrated with what they call unexpected expenses, but sometimes we can plan a little bit better for some of those unexpected expenses. Um, so I like to look, like I said, the year as a whole and thinking about what are, you know, what happened last year that I maybe didn't plan for and do I need to like plan for again this year? And then from there, building a monthly budget based off of that. So if I know, um, for instance, I want to spend $1,200 for Christmas, um, I want to put in my budget that I'm saving $100 a month. Because if you do that in January, by the time December comes, you're already going to have that $1,200. So um, I would say like I'm planning probably a year at least in advance, or if not more, like I'm thinking about, you know, you could want to buy a new car in three to four years, but that can be in your budget now. Or you want to buy a house in a few years or have a baby. Like, there's a lot of things that when you think about your long-term um, trajectory that you want to plan for, and you can put those in your monthly budget now. So to answer your question, um, <laughs> like, I would say, like, I'm planning usually a year in advance, but I'm monitoring that plan with a monthly budget. So I'm able to break down um, some of those like, reoccurring expenses, like, Amazon, for instance, what, they're $120 a month now. So I don't have to, you know, if my membership is in September, I can be setting aside money for um, my Amazon membership now. So it's looking like you want to have like a year, year's view ahead, but then also looking monthly what's happening and being able to readjust. If you're just starting out budgeting um, with people, then like, you know, we work in smaller increments. We talk about the big picture, but we're definitely working in, in smaller increments to say, okay, like what's coming ahead just this week? What's coming ahead in two weeks? Okay, now what's coming ahead next month? Because it is a lot too, if you're just getting started to kind of digest it all. So you can just even say like, let's look at what's coming ahead in the next couple of days, next two weeks, next four weeks, etc. I think that's a really good way to approach it, especially like you were talking about, let's say your Amazon membership just setting aside a little money over the year because then it's not like this huge expense and that money is already there and you have that freedom to not be panicking and saying oh my god they're going to charge my card you know the 120 dollars because you've actually taken that time to break it down and you know put money aside for it over a period of time and i think a lot of people underestimate that just the same way that people underestimate the power of compound interest, you can use it in your favor. And so I think mm-hmm. that's a really good 
way to look at it because a lot of people, when they look at budgeting, they're overwhelmed. And the way you're breaking it down makes it more more digestible so that people don't have that fear of, you know, I'm never going to get anywhere with this. Um, mm-hmm. And so it helps them start, get started, and then c- build on the progress that they are making. And there's some perks to budgeting in advance too. Like for me, I pay my auto insurance in six month increments. Mm-hmm. And so um, you get a reduction in your actual monthly premium. And so like there's, you know, there are some perks to, to being on top of, top of your money. You, get, you end up getting more money um, in your pocket because of the fact that you are, you are able to pay ahead for certain things. So if you can get into the rhythm, um, you'll, I think, find that it's, you know, for me, it's therapeutic um, instead of being something you'll definitely stress less about your money. So thank you so much for doing this interview. So what are some ways that people can connect with and work with you if they're interested in learning more about how to make budgeting therapeutic for them? (laughs) Um, So if you would like to work with me, like I said, I'm a financial coach. And so I work with uh, clients on gaining clarity and confidence with their money. So really working on implementation because I do find that it's hard for a lot of people to break it down and, and digest the information. So you can follow me at um, Wealth Over Now on Instagram. You can also book a free discovery call if you go to my website at www.wealthovernow.com. So thanks again, Kina. Thank you for all the information that you have given. Hopefully it'll help you all that are struggling with setting budgets and you're not alone. There are many people that have student loan debt and other debts. And as Kina has told you or shown, Taking one step at a time can get you to a place where budgeting doesn't have to be this frustrating thing. It may not be completely therapeutic for you, but it'll help you buy back some of that freedom, that peace of mind, and it definitely help you take responsibility and control over your health because we know that finances wreck your health. So that's it. Thanks again. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the first interview in the financial wellness series. Kina went over several things, including how to normalize the money conversation. She talked about some budgeting pitfalls, how to create more awareness of where your money's going, creating daily habits, and of course, tracking your money. I hope you learned a lot from the podcast interview with Kina. I know I took a lot of notes and got a lot of important tidbits from there. So what you've all been waiting for is that partner code. So if you've listened to the podcast and you like what Kina is saying and you want to work with Kina, the partner code is W-O-N-P-A-R-T-N-E-R, one partner. So again, it's W-O-N-P-A-R-T-N-E-R. Enter that code and you can get 25% off of your session with Kina. So what you'll do is you go on her website, you'll fill out her appointment form, and then you use that code and you'll be able to save 25% off of a session. In addition to that, if you've learned something new, don't forget to share this with a friend, leave a comment, and also don't forget to subscribe to this podcast.